Hello, world, and welcome to another fun, fun episode of Here's a Guy. This is Alex coming to you from my new studio setup um, in the exact same house, just one room over in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I'm joined by my two usual co-hosts, uh, the first of which is Cody coming to us from Illinois. Cody, what's up? It's fucking hot, man. It was our heights. So I had to cover somebody's shift on the air today, so I had to do the weather a couple times. Our high temperature was 101 degrees. The heat index got up to 114. Fuck you, Mother Nature. <laughs> Look, I understand we deserve it, but come on. I haven't killed yeah. the sea turtles recently. Yeah, nothing makes you feel uh, uh, nothing makes you feel good about the day and the world and just everything in general. Like oppressive morning heat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I got it's outside. Not... So I was. This is another one of those days where I was too lazy to put my contacts in and wore my glasses to work. I walked outside and it was like I walked into a sauna. Like I couldn't see anything for a second. I was so mad. Just instant anger as soon as I hit my garage. Yeah, I love walking outside for uh, two seconds and uh, the air is already pissing you off. The sky, the air, you feel like everything just hates you. And it does. That's the thing about, that's the thing about living in the Midwest. I was actually talking about this with a coworker uh, the other day. But we are very dubiously blessed with... Uh, having two different seasons, uh, two different times of year, where you walk outside and it hurts. Like, the air is just painful on your skin. That happens oh. this time of year when it's really fucking hot, and that happens when it's, like, negative 10 degrees, and it feels like you're being stabbed by a thousand knives. Well, that's what Midwest life is really all about, is uh, pain and punishment. But, mm -hmm. uh... Turning to our uh, third co-host, hopefully with a slightly cheerier disposition, is Jack John coming to us from Indianapolis. Jack John, how's it going? I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, was, I was telling Cody before this, I'm glad we started about 15 minutes later than we usually do, because I spent 30 minutes of my uh, evening fixing our air conditioner because it stopped working, and I have a six-month-old child that needs the air conditioning to continue to keep working. Uh, if I were you, fun... I'd be like, I am a six-month-old child that needs it's, air conditioning. I... I was cranky and I needed a toy to uh, to calm me back down. No, it's so uh, for those listening at home, it's 8:25 p.m. for me on the East Coast as we're recording. The real feel is still 101 goddamn degrees, and the humidity is 75 percent. This is fucking bullshit. I've never been more angry at the place that I continue to willingly live. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Sarah. The big news in my world is Sarah uh, officially moved into my house over the weekend. And uh, so this week has been like, you know, our first week, like cohabitating and living together. And, and you know, we're kind of looking forward to, you know, how, how nice the mornings were going to be, you know, waking up together and starting our day. Just every day, the windows have been not only fogged over, but just like dripping with condensation by how goddamn horrible it is outside. <laughs> um, in spite of this, we have survived. So, so it's your fault. All of this is your fault, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I had something nice happen to me in my life, and uh, so everybody <laughs> must be be punished uh, by by whatever cruel god is watching over us and clearly the, hates me. The cosmic balance Look, is, is constantly against you. Consider yourself lucky. That happens to me, too, just without the good thing happening first. <laughs> yeah. I think the last good thing that happened to Cody was in 2016, and we're still paying for it. <laughs> Donald Trump getting elected? Are you trying? Are you, I was going to say, are you insinuating no, no. I voted for Trump? Because <laughs> no, I, was, I'm, I think you, I think you've misread me quite a bit. 
I'm I'm insinuating that one good thing happened to you, and then the universe said, "Okay, now a million bad things have to happen to everyone else." For the fucking life of me, I <laughs> do not remember it, but okay, I'll take your word for it. I found like five bucks or something. <laughs> I had a really <laughs> great sandwich. So Sarah, moving in, my new office setup uh, is all. Those things are related. We turned my side room from like the place that I just tossed shit that I didn't want to look at for a while to an actual like working home office and spare room. Um, we're still working on like the wall decor, but she has indicated that she wants the um, and, and since this is a an audio only podcast, the um, uh, John Belushi famous Animal House poster to stay up on the wall. She's not seen Animal House. I think we're gonna watch it. I will report back what uh, whether that. It, is staying up on the wall after that or not? So. <laughs> like all movies, how from can that you era, not love Animal House? It's gonna age poorly um, due to the um, uh, age of people involved in certain scenes. I th- yeah, I think there's one one minor part that will age poorly. The rest of minor fine. minor being a keyword in that. Uh... Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's, <laughs> I feel I feel like in the Animal House, like. I feel like it's less pernicious there because the guy didn't know. So, like, I, I feel like it's less like, oh, this is a terrible person and more like, oh, Jesus. Oh, you done fucked up. Yeah. Cody and I actually watched Animal House in theaters, Jack. Did you know that? I did not, actually. Yeah, we were teenagers yeah, from we the are 70s. Six, we are 65 <laughs> years old, yeah. <laughs> um, so this was I not too long after I moved to St. Louis. I remember I still lived in downtown. I don't. I don't remember why you were down here because I feel like our, I don't remember whether you just, you came to visit or whether our parents were also around and they were doing something else. But um, I think it was just the two of us. I don't remember. Yeah. We might've been like going to a hockey game the next day or something. Yeah. Maybe I don't, it must've just been for shits and gigs, but um, you were visiting and uh, um, I found out that there's um, a theater in St. Louis County called Ronnie's that's like this big extravagant theater and um, what they do. And they still do this is um, they'll just occasionally show screenings of old movies, like on a one or two night only thing. Um, like a few months ago, we went and saw Casablanca. Um, we didn't get to go, but around four twenty, they were showing the big Lebowski um, oh, around yeah. mother's day. They were showing Greece. Um, okay. But we, yeah. we saw there, they had a screening of animal house. We thought like, well, we've seen animal house a million times. But seeing a movie like on the big screen is a whole different experience. So uh, we went to that. And the first thing of note is Cody uh, wore these these very large cargo shorts so that we could uh, uh, smuggle in a huge bag of peanut M&Ms, um, which <laughs> succeeded. And in fact, yeah. like <laughs> the thing we didn't think about was that in our quest to not pay for any concessions, we forgot to get drinks. And uh, eating so many peanut M&Ms made us super thirsty, and we just kind of had to suffer yeah. through it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the plan was the plan mostly worked. But um, it was cool. I think we were the only people in the theater under the age of 50 years old. Um, <laughs> and a lot of the people there had clearly seen it the first go-around. And the part that I specifically remember is um, the scene where they're in Dean Wormer's office where he's reading off their GPAs. <laughs> yeah. And when he finally says, Mr. Blutarski. Zero, zero point, point zero zero. zero. It, it went, when he said that, you could hear all the old folks in the audience <laughs> going like t- talking along, all saying to themselves, zero point zero. 
it was a really, really amazing experience. Um, One of my favorite lines from the movie is in that same scene where he goes, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Actually, I think, so yet another classic line came within about 30 seconds of that. Daniel Simpson Day has no grade point average. (laughs) All courses incomplete. So I I I actually, so my favorite, um, my favorite, I think, uh, underrated moment from Animal House. Uh, As far as delivery, I think this is the best delivery in the whole movie. It is, of course, John Belushi after they shoot the horse. (laughs) Holy shit! I've always loved the just like the complete candor of 1,000 marbles, please. (laughs) I I do definitely recommend if any of you have a theater around you that will just show old movies, definitely go watch because like doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. Like Animal House, Casablanca, those are movies I'd watched a million times each. But like watching it actually on the big screen in the theater with other people, it's just a whole different experience. You got to do it. So my last piece of uh, fun uh, Animal House trivia is that uh, actually I have two. I just thought of another one. But one of them is that uh, everyone knows the classic uh, hair metal anthem. We're not going to take it by Twisted Sister. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that song. So at the end of that song, you can't really tell what D. Snyder's yelling, but if you listen close, it's lines from Animal House. So, like, the last thing he yells is, uh, a pledge pin on your uniform! (laughs) I didn't know that. That that is a fun fact. It is. And uh, also, the uh, guy who played um, Pinto... Uh, Tom Hulsey uh, was the both speaking and singing voice of Quasimodo in Disney's Hunchback movie. Oh, neat. The definition of a fun fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a human Snapple bottle. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. The, in, in shape and... Um, uh, yeah. In that I'm delight. round and filled with juice, yes. <clears throat> Speaking of pop culture, fucking the worst segue of all time. Um, so I got I a think uh, of the ground. Speaking of stuff, speaking of stuff in general, <laughs> you ever guys noticed that things? Speaking of, speaking things of topics expect. of conversation, yeah. <laughs> speaking of the next thing I want to talk about, I, I blame um, the heat for this entire episode. Should we just um, shut it down now? <laughs> uh, you have to shut it down and then pause and then shut it all down. <laughs> Um, those of you who follow me on Instagram especially know that, like, uh, yeah, definitely have a bit of a vinyl buying habit since I got a turntable, uh, less than a year ago. Um, and there was, there's a reason why I got this one specifically, but I found a really obscure, uh, seven inch, like, single on, uh, eBay. And I just had to, I mean, it was cheap. It was like 10 bucks. Um, and I want to see if either of you two can guess what it is. I never knew that this existed. Um, the song was one thing, but the cover art really sold it for me. So what I would like to see if either of you two can guess is what the band is. And a, your only hint is that it is a ska band. Okay. What, what band is it? And what comic strip character is featured on the cover? Because that was the selling point for me. Well, it's you, so it has to be Garfield. 
I'm is that your say... final guess? It's that or peanuts. Which do I think? I... Tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and make my guess while you decide. I'm going to say right. Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. And what's the band? Um, you said ska band. Ska band. Ska band. I'm thinking Calvin. Um, is it mustard plug? Neither of those are correct, although I appreciate the mustard plug reference. See, yeah. I'm I'm not as versed in ska bands, so my ska knowledge is probably more <laughs> punk knowledge. Um, so with that um, disclaimer for how dumb my guess is going to be out of the way, uh, I'm just going to throw a wild guess. Uh, it's going to be um, uh, Aquabats, and it's going to be um, uh, uh, Linus from Peanuts. First of all, apologies about all the Discord sounds. One of my uh, one of my other fucking servers I'm in won't shut up. <laughs> How dare that other server for existing? <laughs> Thank you for reminding me to mute a bunch of my servers. I was gonna say uh, I had to. I've had to do that a couple times. <laughs> so, uh, Jack John was the closest. So the the the. It was not Linus. It is Charlie Brown. Okay. And the band, and the song, even I'll add, is no, no, less than Jake. Scott Farkas takes it on the chin. Oh, featuring Charlie Brown. Um, and on the other side, a band that I've never really listened to called J Church, um, also from the '90s. So interested to find out uh, uh, what they sound like. Hell yeah! See, Honestly, I, I, I was gonna, I was thinking about less than Jake, but that seemed more like a mustard plug or real big fish type of thing to do. Uh, yeah, less than Jake, actually my favorite ska band. Same. And I was very disappointed. Um, they, they came through St. Louis uh, a couple weeks ago, touring on an anniversary tour of Hello Rock View, my favorite of their albums. One of my favorite albums, period. Um, but I waffled on whether or not I was going to get to go, and then the show sold out, and then I wound up not being able to go anyway. And they were selling an exclusive vinyl, which they never print that record. Ooh. And some people are selling them on eBay, um, but they're trying to sell them for like 150 bucks. So fuck Ooh. off. Maybe they'll do a regular pressing, um, but it was it was just a uh, just a, a total letdown on my part. So I ordered myself yeah. this this obscure uh, single to make myself feel a little bit better, <laughs> rather than just deal with my very basic emotions. That's what I did. Uh, Honestly, retail therapy when I could have uh, regular outlets to find out how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling. Um, I will always take retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah, vinyl has become... What's up? Speaking of... um, Since you mentioned Calvin, speaking of Calvin and eBay, though, that reminded me of something I saw just yesterday and I'd forgotten about. So Calvin and Hobbes merch is interesting because, as we know, like Bill Watterson did not officially license anything. As a matter of principle, he didn't. So every no. piece of Calvin and Hobbes merch, even like the famous Calvin pissing decals, those are all bootleg. They're no. all copyright infringement. <laughs> so they're really, you can find some really odd stuff. I found this shirt and you can't see much of it other than it's, oh. um, it's a picture of a very grumpy looking Calvin and the, the, the text, it's weird. It's like, um, it's sloppy and a bunch of letters are backwards meant that like, I guess Calvin wrote it. And here's what the caption is. 
God put me on this earth to do a certain number of things. I'm so far behind, I'll never die. <laughs> I I am considering buying this. It is more wow. than I want to spend, unfortunately. Because like that is what the fuck possibly happened there? There can't be too many of those shirts <laughs> bouncing around. That seems like one of those like bootleg English shirts that they sell yeah. in like China where nobody where they all just like, say totally nonsensical yeah. things. It's the God is dead, one million dead cops. Oh, the, uh, yeah, life born, is a fuck. Born to die, world is a fuck. I have that shirt. So um, <laughs> mercifully it doesn't fit well, so I'm not tempted to wear it out in public. I have a similar one, but it's about being a possum. <laughs> I have one that's I heart possums. Um and when we were Sarah and I both donated a, a ton of shit because we needed to get rid of a bunch of shit to both be able to live in this not terribly big house. And um, we donated like 15 bags of clothes between the two of us. And I was putting a bunch of them away and I had my I Heart Possum shirt out. And she just asked like, could this one really not have gone in the donation bag? <laughs> and the answer is no, because who else... It's not like I wear that shirt all the time, but who else would appreciate that shirt more than me? Nobody else is going to get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, vinyl uh, is a very good form of retail therapy. Um, even worse when you find a record store you really, really like. Um, right now there's a couple pre-orders out on records. I got to decide whether I'm going to, you know, continue to do that to my credit card bill. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but goddamn, it feels good. Uh, when yeah. you get one and you can play it, I actually play my records. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I always, I, I don't know. I'm a little disdainful of people who collect vinyl and don't actually listen to it. Rightfully so. Yeah. I have very few records that I've bought that I don't listen to. The one that I can think of, it, it's more of a, um, and I hate myself for buying it, and it's a reminder to not do things. Um, uh, I pre-ordered, and I hate to say it, I pre-ordered Jesus is King by Kanye, because I thought it was going to be potentially <laughs> good. And the pre-order came with the vinyl, and the vinyl came like a year and a half after the album came out. And I'm still so pissed at myself that it's in the uh, factory <laughs> seal. I'm so fucking pissed that I own it. Um, and I don't know what to do with it now. Um, See, I've that's got, probably I've got the only vinyl. one. <laughs> I've got enough vinyl that like I don't listen to all of them regularly. Some of them are, are old stuff of like, like my dad's death, but yeah, a lot of them I do. And um, I was just thinking about this. So what is, for you guys, what is the crown jewel of each of your record collections? Mm. Like, what what's the favorite record you own? Uh, similarly, uh, it's another record that I pre-ordered, but I had at least heard this one before. Uh, it is a limited press of Kendrick Lamar's Untitled Unmastered, which was the uh, kind of like studio like leftovers from when he did um, To Pimp a Butterfly. Um, but it's autographed, so that's at least my my favorite thing that I own is an autographed Kendrick Lamar. I have one autographed record that, again, was just a random eBay purchase that I think it was an auction that I don't think a lot of people noticed, so I got... I got a pretty good price on it. It was a uh, Knuckle Puck 2020. Oh hell yeah! Um, oh yeah. But outside of that, as far as like my favorites, um, there's a couple of soundtracks. Like I have the Animal House soundtrack. That one's a great, great record. Mm. Um, there's a uh, like an old Woodstock record um, that's pretty cool. I uh, actually got around the same time. I was able to get a 
pressing of um Shel Silverstein reading most of the poems in Where the Sidewalk Ends. Oh, hell yeah. Um, that's cool. And I got that around the same time as I got a pressing of one of his old solo records when he was like a very like uh, inappropriate <laughs> like comedy mm-hmm. musician. Yeah. I got freaking at the freaking. Like he was ball. writing for Playboy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Freaking, which like Dr. Hook's like on the cover of that. He was yeah. closely associated with all those super inappropriate guys. Speaking of inappropriate guys, my family has had vinyl like since like oh, as far as I can remember. One of the things that like I inherited and then immediately was like, mm, I don't like this. I inherited a bunch of old Bill Cosby records. So that mm. was that was a fun, like uncomfortable. All right, so, what do I do with these now? Here's so my my family actually had a bunch of those on CD. You want to know what really sucks? A lot of those are really fucking funny. Oh yeah, like that, absolutely. That's, that's one of the things about Bill Cosby that is yeah. the, the makes it just even worse is that you can't really even enjoy because like some of that the comedy albums he made in the '60s are legit. Some of the funniest yeah. stand up I've ever heard. Yeah, himself. But is God incredible. damn it, he's just such a horrible human being. Yeah, yeah. He, great comedian, serial rapist. You know, both those things are true. Yeah, uh, one, of, one of those people. <laughs> uh, yeah, Vince Champ. Uh, who else? What do you? We Woody don't need Allen? to run through him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyone before 1985? Article <laughs> that covers all of them. I yeah. look. I am clinging to the idea that Carlin uh, never did anything that bad. Okay, if we ever find out he did, I might actually unalive myself. Yeah, similar thing. Like, because I have a Shell Silverstein tattoo, and I'm just dreading the day something terrible is going to come out about him. But I think the odds are low because, like, we know so much about him already, <laughs> and like <laughs> the weird shit that he did. I feel like somebody he was not a private person. No, he was very like counterculture guy. Um, and on that record, I think what's so cool for me being like a huge Shel Silverstein head as a kid um, was that one of the, the songs on it in the early part of the record is uh, Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout would not take the garbage out, which he wound up using just as a poem in Where the Sidewalk Ends. And so you listen to that and like, that's really cool, like getting to hear kind of the origin and this alternate version of this this bit of poetry that I grew up with. And then the next song on the album is uh, it's called Stacy Brown's Got Two, and it's about a man with two cocks. So that's just <laughs> the magic of Shel Silverstein is you kind of get both. The man give us. And the, give uh, again. the, the chorus <laughs> of the, the song is uh, everybody's got one. Stacy Brown's got two. Beautiful. <laughs> very, very I, bizarre record. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what mine is. I. I do have, so Alex, you mentioned the Animal House soundtrack. Uh, one of my favorite old school artists is Sam Cooke. I have a, a Sam Cooke best of that I really like. And a lot of the reason for that is because he was featured heavily on uh, Animal House soundtrack. So mm-hmm. I think they have two or three. Hit. I know Twisting the Night Away and What a Wonderful World were both on there. There might be one more, but... Um, yeah, there's that one. I do have an old pressing that was my dad's of uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, which is, it's a good Springsteen album. It's not my favorite, but I mean, it's just so iconic. It's cool to have it. <clears throat> yeah. I still say that, oh, another one of my favorites is uh, Jack when he was getting married before we knew that he wasn't actually going to be able to have like a large wedding ceremony for when, my groomsmen gift. When you gift. were he... supposed to be, yeah. Yeah, 
for my groomsman gift, he got me um, the like deluxe book edition of the Wonder Years Sister Cities, which is uh, oh nice. Yeah, it's it's really neat. I think I I still maintain that in terms of like sitting down and listening to a record all the way through. One of the best experiences I've had with that is uh, Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Yes. That's a that's a terrific one, yeah. yeah. I, I was able to get an old copy of that that um, is a trifold, and you open it up, and like whoever designed it did different little artwork next to all the lyrics for every single song, and they're all in a little bit different style because all those songs have a bit different vibe on that record. It's so cool. I think I think that's the original uh, liner notes because I remember <laughs> Dad had that CD, and I looked through those liner notes, and it's the same thing in the newer pressing yeah. I've got. But yeah, every song's got its own little picture uh, picture with it. Yeah, and that's that's one of those records that you're right. Everything's a little bit different, but it all flows really well. I think that's kind of rare. Um, True. Another one of my favorite records I've got that is uh, kind of a similar vibe, but a much different genre and a much uh, newer is uh, Parkway Drive's uh, Horizons. Ooh, I, I have that one as well. That's a good one. <clears throat> so actually... <laughs> There's there's one more that's on the way that I ordered on eBay and was an impulse buy because it was a movie that I watched. It's another movie soundtrack. And if either of you or anybody out there can guess what movie it's going to be, um, I will reveal on the show next week. You will get a hag buck and I will I'll, I'll try and come up with something that like I can actually turn it into a reward because we should probably start doing that at some point. I really hope it's now you see me. I don't. I don't know whether they press that, but I, if you put that record in my house, I will shoot it. <laughs> so this is. You said this is a movie that you have. You have seen. It's a movie that I'd seen before and uh, rewatched within uh, the last week. Okay. If you want to log so, a prediction now, I won't tell you if you're right or not because I'm going to give everybody a chance to guess. But so it, on, on a here here's the on a scale of one to ten, how much do you actually enjoy this soundtrack? It's it's a good soundtrack, and it's an older movie. I'll also tell you that. Um. Okay, older movie, good soundtrack. Uh, I'm gonna guess Caddyshack. Ooh. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you it's not that one because I already have that one. So. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, okay. Well, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess um, uh, Star Wars four. Okay. I have, well, I have that one also. So it's God not damn it. <laughs> a good one to have, though. A good one to have. Yeah, I just found that one in the cheap record bin the other day. So we're we're, we're eliminating some. It's not yeah. Caddyshack. We're... It's not it's not Animal House. It's not Star Wars. It's none of those three old movies. It could be pretty much any other older movie. I think <laughs> the the only there's one I'm thinking of that's an iconic soundtrack, but I don't know if I want to guess it because I feel like <clears> I'm going to be I... taking somebody else's guess. I wouldn't describe it as iconic, but it is it is a good soundtrack. Is it iconic okay. to the turbans? No. Okay, then it's not Muppet related. No, no I although I do have the Muppet movie. Yeah. So it's not <laughs> it's it's none of those. If anybody right. wants to well, get your I'm guess not... in, it, it's it's pretty yeah, random. I'm I'm cash. You got out. a week you got a week to think about it. Yeah. I'm not gonna guess anymore because <laughs> I want the I want the listeners to, to guess. Yeah. Yeah. So while y'all chew on that, um, 
we uh, we've got to move on to our uh, our more famous part of the show. So let's get to it. Let's talk about some guys. Jack John, could you help me out, please? Yeah, I think I remember it. It's uh, the guys. Thank you. Um, you're actually up first this week, as it turns out. So who's your guy? Yes, I am. Uh, I want to start my topic this week with a little history lesson before we get into who my guy officially is. In 1898, a scientist discovered an incredibly powerful and dangerous element. One that would drastically change not only their life, but the lives of everyone else for decades, if not hundreds of years to come. That element discovered was radium. And, yes. at, and at the time, unknown super-powered radioactive element that seemed to be magical in its substance. <laughs> it's magical in its ability to kill you, yes. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've talked about radioactive people before, which is probably why I love this topic so much. But the beautiful glow of radium drew a false sense of comfort to the scientists who discovered it. Radium also seemed to have a curative power to it. In many scientific papers <laughs> published between 1898 and 1902, that scientist proposed that the exposed uh, parts to radium, uh, uh, most, more importantly, uh, diseased cells, seem to be destroyed at faster rates than healthier ones. Radium seemed to be an overnight health superpower. Uh, that well, scientist... Uh, part, part of that's a little bit true, but I don't <laughs> think they're looking at the broader strokes of this. Let's say, did they think any further than that? Uh, no, uh, and that scientist, of course, would be none other than uh, Marie Curie and her husband, and she would die in 1934, tied to several decades' worth of radiation poisoning. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, ra- a I Radium is a great cure for having all of your skin and hair still on your body. It's it's great cure for being alive and uh, <laughs> not in uh, constant suffering. Yeah, uh, and Ooh, obviously get some radium. Uh, table that thought, and as we know, Marie Curie is obviously far too big, so we will not be telling her story, but rather the story of a man who used and abused the good faith that radium had built up in the early 1900s to comedically evil heights. This is a story of William J. A. Bailey. Jack John, not to not to not to cut off your flow, but I have to point out as a progressive podcast, did you just body shame Marie Curie? You said she did was I? too big. Ah, well, I mean, I don't know what uh, that much radiation does to the body. I don't oh, know if she did balloon. Be looking at him; he's backpedaling. <laughs> uh, waka waka. Uh, um, William was born into relative poverty in 1884. Uh, that's due in part to shortly after his birth, his father had passed away, uh, leaving his mother with nine total children to look after. Yeah. Uh, despite what was uh, assumably a massive accrued debt, William and his family were able to live in a small but comfortable life for themselves, as far as I can tell. William was able to lead such a normal life. He even was able to maintain good standing in school. And we know this because he was able to get admitted into Harvard. Um, so couldn't have been that too far bad off, uh, managed to make something out of it. William would graduate from Harvard before getting one more degree, this time getting a doctorate from the University of um, uh, Vienna. So a highly intelligent and resourceful man, William Bailey did what any Harvard grad would do, and he took his luck into startup companies. I wish you were jo- joking about that. Yeah. Yeah, really. I, I really can't believe an Ivy League. 
I can't believe an Ivy League grad did something terrible. Yeah. Uh, uh, Harvard grads uh, starting um, startup companies all the way back in the 1800s. Who could have thought? Yeah, not not to sound too much like that that uh, that one dipshit going around with the be- the red beard and the guitar, but like, have you ever noticed that <clears throat> like all of the world's problems are caused by some asshole who went to Harvard or Yale? <laughs> like all of them. I think <laughs> I I think Princeton has done its fair share of damage too. But yeah, great football uniforms though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, great football uniforms, not necessarily great football. <laughs> I don't have a frame of reference to challenge you on that. So, <laughs> I, I mean, are any Ivy League schools good, or are they just good at beating other Ivy League schools? Yeah, they're good relative to the Ivy League. Yeah, but I'm a fan of the Big Ten, and we have like 45 yeah, teams, I so I can shit on everyone. I, I don't. Well, I was going to say we're I, all fans of the Big Ten now. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, I was going to say, Harvard might be in the Big Ten this time next year. Right. Yeah, I, I haven't checked the news in an hour. That might be true. <laughs> uh, because oh, first... Harvard would never risk that because every player on that team would be dead after their first game with, like, Ohio State or Michigan or somebody like that. Right. right. I mean, we've got like this guy with a this guy, this guy with a 6.5 GPA. <laughs> uh, pretty fair quarterback in the Ivy League, but uh, now, unfortunately, he is brain damaged. Also, uh, so not also not to stop you, Jack John, but we yeah. do have a very important live update. We we have it. Um, we have the Trump booking photo. Oh, it has dropped. I've got to go to Twitter and immediately see, see this. what. What are our thoughts, fellas? Oh, he looks like he's shitting. That? He looks like he's power shitting, and his phone just died. And that he's is be there for another fifteen minutes. He looks like. A supervillain in a very bad superhero movie. Like he looks like he's trying to scare whoever it is that uh, is taking like that this, looking photo. Well, I mean, and and you know, and who can really blame him for this? But you, you're going into that booking photo knowing that this is going to be on millions of t-shirts. Yeah, so, dude. I yeah, I mean, and you know what's I, really sad? Our this guy just got arrested. He's still cr- probably going to be our next president. Oh god! <clears throat> well, we'll just not think about it. I, I did. <laughs> see a, I did see a like a funny poll, and it was like, all right, which um, New York rapper has that cover as their mixtape cover first? <laughs> Bobby Shmurda is he? Is he still in prison? <laughs> <laughs> He's out of prison he, now. Yeah, he he got out like a year he, ago. He hasn't done shit I, I since. Heard, so. I just where he dropped that fire music video that like got the yeah. entire neighborhood arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch anyway. found a body about a week ago, and then he went arrested. <laughs> Sorry, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about Mr. Yeah, Bailey. Yeah, John. William Bailey. William Bailey. You know what? That was, that was a good sidetrack. Uh, but his first company, his first startup, worked as an automotive import and export dealer. He would sell newly designed and state-of-the-art cars from around the world to the people of Carnegie at a premium cost. Around $600 per vehicle at the time uh, that he was selling them. This is, again... Um, Late 1800s, early 1900s. That's quite a bit for back then. Yeah, these these are these are premium premium cars. This business blew up seemingly overnight, and before William knew it, he had almost 1,500 orders to the Carnegie Engineering Corporation. And William was making a tidy little profit off this as well. Uh, before anything was all said and done, 
raking in about 50 bucks per deposit on each order. Uh, there was a slight issue, uh, however. Um, see, the feds started to look into the production means of this new company and noticed something. There were no production means for this startup company. Oh. <laughs> the warehouse oh. that William had claimed was the production factory for these imported cars was nothing more than an abandoned building with, quote, one toolbox to its name. <laughs> Trying to build his own car like Homer Simpson. <laughs> his his uh, um, estranged uh, brother just goes, I'm ruined! <laughs> uh, but yeah, so William was essentially uh, running a car scheme, and uh, much like Elon, was failing to deliver the cars after taking payment. Yeah, that's that's not really even like a, like a <laughs> typical car scheme, like a chop shop. That's just... You yeah. telling people you're going to sell them a car and then not ever giving them the car. And and he was making he was making good money on it off the jump, and it took several years before this eventually caught up to him. But the feds came down hard on William, uh, with his defense being that he was simply the overseer for the company. Uh, how was he to know that the factory was a sham when he's merely a suit running everything over the top? He doesn't know. How how was I to know that none of my employees exist? <laughs> you know what? It happens all the time. Uh, the government didn't buy this, though, and William was sentenced to 30 days in prison. I've seen worse. Before he was released due to overcrowding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually might have bought the I'm the boss, I don't go to work, what are you talking about defense. You could have sold me. <laughs> Uh, after his release, William was again caught in 1918 selling bogus goods, this time in the form of medication called Lazigo for Superb Manhood. Would anyone like to take a gander Sup at what this might be? Is it like horny goat weed? I was going to say su Superb Manhood. I'm guessing it's like <clears throat> proto-Viagra of some way, shape, or form, but I don't know what on earth it... Yeah, that, that's, it's got to be something like that. Well, William doesn't appear to be the originator of the pills, a flyer for them can be found online reading this. The old reliable remedy for nervous stability, sexual weakness, failing memory, sleeplessness, and kidney troubles. It sounds so like these uh, are just testosterone pills. I say, is it, is it like, um, what's the name of that, that one pill that like they have Frank Robinson on the commercials for? Or no, uh, Frank Thomas on the commercials for? Oh, Frank Thomas. Oh, oh yeah. um... Yeah, what the I know fuck what you're is that called? You know what I'm know, talking about. There's, yeah, a few, yeah. there's a few of those kinds of pills bouncing around. Yeah, they they've been running of, for like a decade. Where they kind of imply they're for erectile dysfunction, but don't, yeah. can't quite say it, I assume, it, for legal it, reasons. It, it's like, uh, get your male fighting strength back. And it's just like a dude chopping wood next to his wife. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're I, talking if about. I take, if I take these pills, I'll be like Frank Thomas. I'm going to hit like 500 home runs. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm gonna be but, a I'm gonna be a six foot four, two hundred and seventy pound man who is ripped as fuck. Yeah, uh, but these uh, so to be dick pills ran for a dollar a box, or in a special deal, five bucks for six. Uh, but these were also seemingly a sham. Uh, and while William never got in any real trouble for his dick pill scheme, uh, they may have inspired his next venture. 
See, Marie Curie, as mentioned the in my balls opening... balls scheme? <laughs> you get massive balls. Because he's from Boston. You just look at that South Park episode. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo <laughs> soldier. Hopping around like it's Actually, a hippity hop. Yeah. <laughs> Al, one of, that reminds me of one of Alex and I's favorite uh, underrated whitest kids you know uh, quotes from the lesser known Lincoln assassination <laughs> sketch. You don't, don't got the balls. <laughs> I remember doing that to our um, to our friend Zach across a uh, uh, across a gym during a basketball game when I was calling the game and and you two were doing one of your favorite things, which is uh, taunting me as I did it. <laughs> you, you said. I remember Jack. I remember the two of you started an Alex Turpin chant one time during a basketball <laughs> game, oh. really pissing off everybody involved, other than you. You know what? I don't remember that exactly, but I believe you. Probably because I was hammered. Sounds like something uh, we would do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On, like if you gave me like a word bank of things that I did in college, I'd believe that one. Does somebody uh, need a word bank? <laughs> uh, but Marie Curie, as mentioned in my opening, was doing a tour of the U.S. promoting radium in 1921, and by 1922, William had launched his new business venture. Associated Radium Chemists. Yeah. See, this company would sell various amounts of medical radium-based products, including Arium Radium Tablets, acting as a pseudo-radiation Mentos dinner mint, and their flagship <laughs> product, Radithor. Yeah, the only difference was if you take these Mentos and drink Coke, you'll still explode. Like, it'll actually happen. <laughs> uh, it has nothing wait. to do with the Coke. It just... <laughs> Wait, he exploded, but the coke is still sealed. Oh, shit. <laughs> he didn't explode so much as melt. <laughs> so, Radithor, which was the, the main uh, selling uh, act out of this company, Radithor was a miracle liquid that could do it all. Its tagline claimed as much, calling itself the cure for the living dead. Sorry, okay. what, what was it called? Radithor. And its that, tagline that is, was cure for is, the living I, dead. That sounds like a D&D &D character name. <laughs> I was I was debating on whether to say... I was going to make one of two jokes there. I was debating to go with either that's my favorite Pokemon or that's my favorite Norse god. I think it works either way. Like That, uh, is, that, is, that is a half-orc rogue, is Radithor. Uh, <laughs> one of my uh, ways that I found out about this, and it's an amazing YouTube channel called Blue Jay, he uh, had a joke where he said, and Radithor isn't just phase 36 of Marvel's next summer. <laughs> so a great name, we can all agree. Yes, yeah. Uh, but at its base usage, Radithor claimed to help with, in short, asthma, constipation, lagging libido, diabetes, mental illness, and no fewer than 145 other ailments. Well, if you've got all of that shit, yeah, I guess you are the living dead, aren't you? <laughs> Re regulations of, of medicine is not my area of law, but I... I can already maybe see a couple problems with uh, going about it this way. Uh, and what exactly made Radithor so powerful? Well, you can find it in its very simple yet effective formula. Triple distilled water and one microcurie of radium-226 and radium-228. It's just <laughs> radium and water. I'm going to order this next time I go to the bar. <laughs> Give me the Radithor, please.
I I bet there's some fucking hokey like mixologist ass like speakeasy place that sells a drink called the Radathor. You get it in a tin can. It's like gin, absinthe, and like club soda. Yeah, guys, it's great. Look what it look what it look what it does for your teeth. This room's pitch black. When I smile, you can still see them. They're green now, but <laughs> you're the the SpongeBob um, Pretty Patty's guy where he like hits the light switch and his tongue is green. <laughs> now William Blake William Bailey claimed that this concoction was 100% safe and harmless uh, but as we know William may be prone to quackery and some bit of lying uh, but let, let's backtrack to that some bit of lying um, <laughs> remember when I laid out William's credentials in his areas of study um, well, it turns out those are about as reliable as Radathor. See, uh... William, William did go to Harvard, but he dropped out after just three semesters due to financial issues. Uh, but it's the 1900s, so fuck it, he lied about completing it, and who's going to really check and see if he did? <laughs> Which is my yeah, favorite, I mean, at least like... At least he flunk out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, according to what I read, he couldn't continue on for financial reasons, but it, it leads into, like, my favorite, like, sub, like, part of a guy, which is lied about college, but fuck it, who's going to check? Which <laughs> it, so many of our guys end up doing. Yeah, that's happened a lot. <laughs> Titus Oates. Um, Preston Brooks, I think. Yeah. Uh, so the lying scientists also sold, um, in a couple of other forms of radium, radium-based cream for aches and pains, as well as a dental paste and a hair tonic. So any way William Bailey could get radium into your body, he was doing it into massive profits. Each bottle of Radithor sold for 400% profit. Now in powdered form, snort it. <laughs> Uh, this is just pure radium. I'd like $100, please. <laughs> Everything was going perfectly smooth for William until about the 1930s. He'd been doing this shit for almost three decades. Uh, all, all of his schemes yep. piling up for three total decades. The Radithor one going I'm, for about five to ten years. I'm a little surprised he was able to keep it going that long. He can't have had that much repeat business. I'm glad you said that. See, William had been paying out uh, so many doctors uh, to push his uh, death potion by offering them one-sixth the profit return to do so, something that sadly is not too far off of what happens with a lot of medications today. But basically, he was paying off hospitals and doctors to keep pushing Radithor onto new people. So he had his in through the doctors. Yeah, uh, they they do still do this. It's just with, like, Oxycontin now. Yeah. With, with, with slightly less dangerous uh, chemicals and toxins, but still very deadly chemicals and toxins. <laughs> uh, one such patient that was received on the receiving end of this is our sub-guy of the story, Eben Byers. Eben was a promising uh, amateur golfer in his prime, winning the U.S. Amateur event in 1906. He had since become president of the A.M. Byers Company in Pittsburgh, heading one of the largest steelworking companies in the entire country at the time. Even was a bit of a partier and had a reputation about him. 
This man about town seemed to have a hard time leaving the party left self of an amateur golfer behind, and on a trip back from Yale aboard a train car, Eben had fallen and injured himself. His doctor had naturally prescribed Radithor, to which Eben had taken an almost addictive liking, liking to. Addictive so much so, radium. He, took, he started taking up to three bottles a day. God damn. I didn't even know that was he, possible. He also started making any girls he was seeing at the time take it, and even started giving it to his racing horses. He loved horses. radium. Now, aside from the obvious uh, health impacts, by 1930, Eben's entire face started to fall off, quite literally. Well, yeah. <laughs> In one report from the time, it said, quote, his whole upper jaw, except two front teeth, and most of his lower jaw, had been removed. His whole face straight up fell the fuck off. God. That report also said that his bone tissue started dissolving and literal holes were forming in his skull. Ugh. The world's eyes had fallen on Radithor and William Bailey, uh, in part due to the story, and several others like it, because this isn't an isolated incident. Yeah, However, I bet William... it wasn't. <laughs> it's not like this guy was just allergic to it or something. However, William would, of course, deny these claims and said that Eben and many others simply just had a bad case of gout and that his product, Radithor, surely couldn't have been behind any of this. Uh, okay. But the damage had been done. Gout does not do that to you, I don't think. I also don't think gout makes your face fall off. <laughs> uh, but, again, the damage had literally been done at that point. Radithor had sold an estimated 400,000 bottles, making William quite wealthy. But the Federal Trade Commission would eventually shut down Bailey uh, due to all of this mounting evidence in December of 1931. Uh, sadly, though, uh, Eben would uh, pass away in March of uh, 32, uh, his lasting legacy being his death to Radithor. Uh, this put the end to William Bailey's um, radium-related ventures, but he did have one last medical uh, attempt um, to make it rich. And in 1937, he partnered with Lee Kelpadine Company in New York City, selling Kelpadine tablets, which were literally just compressed pelletized seaweed and nothing else. <laughs> Step up from radio. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This isn't going to kill you. It's just seaweed. But uh, he would claim that the tablets would alleviate 32 specific diseases and other conditions. Uh, but once again, the FDA came in and shut all of this shit down. Uh, this would be Basically the last known thing that William Bailey ever tried to sell to the public. Uh, and mercifully, in May of 1949, he would succumb to bladder cancer at the ripe old age of 64 years old. But again, not before infecting countless, if not hundreds of thousands of people with radium and other horrible, horrible like chemical concoctions. <laughs> so that was the life of William Bailey. Which leads me to my big question. Uh, what health product in our lives today do you think is total bullshit? 
Uh, I mean, anything you buy from Gwyneth Paltrow, basically. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, a lot of, the, yeah, the, the holistic shit. Um, you know, it really, it, it doesn't work, hardly any of it. Um, it just, it's, it, it's mostly uh, just, you know, random junk they throw in there that doesn't actually do much of anything for you. Uh, as far as specific stuff, so here's a weird medical practice that I discovered that one of the places here in town that does like massages and stuff, they're a little into the weirdo mystical shit. Uh, they do ear candling there. Hmm. And, and and what is that? Because that sounds like just shoving a candle in your ear, but that can't be that. You are remarkably close. They take a conical candle and set it like on top of your ear hole and then light it. Um, apparently this, like, apparently it started as a way to, like, when people had wax build up to loosen up the wax, and I think it does work for that, but of course people got all weirdo with it, and they think it does, like, a bunch of things for you now that it actually doesn't. That's huh. a shame, because there are times where you just want to get some wax out of your ears, and now you can't even, you can't even go get that, because then you just, like, don't feel good about it. You think people are going to make assumptions. <laughs> There yeah, are better yeah. ways to do that now. We Wait, have other I, stuff for that. I'd feel more comfortable if that was just a weird sex thing, but people thinking that it's a health thing makes me think less of them. Yeah. Good answer. Um, what about you, Alex? On the, I hesitate to even call like holistic stuff um, like actual health products, but I mean the obvious one there would be essential oils. I mean one of the the one of the grandest crocs of shit in recent mm -hmm. times. Um, as far as more common items, I think high-end deodorants are a little bit of a scam. For me, it's more like finding a like type of deodorant that works as far as like versus is it the stick versus the you know the roll-on. Um, I think like overpaying for deodorant is is I don't I think the margins are pretty thin there, frankly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that, Jack John. Uh, Cody, you're up second this week. Who's your guy? My guy this week is a fellow named Clay Allison. And so how I, how I found this topic is a lot of times when I start researching a subject, the first place I go to is Wikipedia because it gives you a general overview of what you're looking at. And typically you find your links to your good primary sources there. Yeah. It's a good way to like vet out, like if the topic's interesting right. or not instantly. Yeah. And what I've discovered is that sometimes when you're dealing with a guy from rich territory for this kind of thing, like, say, the Old West, like I talked about last week, uh, it's a good idea to follow the links and check out some of the other people in the article as well. Because you're dealing with a time and place where everyone was totally insane. Um, so whoever this person is, if they're from that time and place, there's a reasonable chance they're going to be worth <clears throat> discussing. Yeah. Anytime you have a person before 1800 and another name is listed and that name is blue, click on that name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, that was exactly what I did last week when I was researching uh, Davy Crockett 2 Electric Boogaloo. And what I found was Clay Allison. Clay Allison was born in 1841 in Tennessee. He was the fourth of nine children. Small family for back then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his father was a Presbyterian minister and also raised cattle and sheep. 
when the Civil War rolled around, Clay uh, joined the Confederate Army, of course, and fought under uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, uh, one of the worst people in American history. Tusk, tusk. Christ. Probably a little too high profile to cover on the show. Maybe not, though. Maybe I'll do that one one of these days. He's a shithead. That's the main thing you need to know. About. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and not just because he was a general in the Confederate Army, but for similar reasons. Yeah, um, for, for the everything else. Yeah. Everything else was not too far away from that. So anyway, once Clay Allison came home... I don't know if the war changed him or if he was always like this, but he started developing his reputation as a cantankerous troublemaker who had no problem with shooting someone if they pissed him off enough. He perhaps bit off a little more than he could chew when a uh, soldier showed up to the family ranch with the aim of evicting the family and seizing their land. After a confrontation that led to the soldier breaking a vase belonging to Clay Allison's mother, uh, Clay just shot him and killed him. Okay. That <laughs> seems like a bit of a leap. So, this was right about the point where Clay Allison decided it might be a good time to go west and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> You're wanted for murder, lay low for a little bit. I mean, we learned it last week. You kill a soldier... Maybe don't be around for a little while. Like the one person you can't kill. So Clay and three of his siblings uh, packed up and eventually settled down in a great place for guys like Clay. That's right. We are going back to Cimarron, New Mexico. Let's Hell go. yes. So in Cimarron, Clay quickly developed a reputation as... A guy that you didn't really want to fuck with. See, it's not so much that Clay was extremely skilled. More so, he just didn't give a fuck. And he would shoot anybody he felt like shooting, oftentimes before they could see it coming. Now, this would change somewhat when Clay was outdrawn in a sporting quick-draw competition with a new friend of his named Mason Bowman. Uh, Mason Bowman had taken a liking to Clay for some reason. Uh, nobody else did, but apparently this guy was like, I like the cut of your jib, psychopath. One of those things where if you get two shitheads in the room, they'll probably become friends. Uh-huh. And Mason started teaching him how to draw faster and shoot better. Because I know when I see a violent lunatic who's constantly getting into confrontations around town, my first thought is always... I wish that guy was really good with a gun. <laughs> this is a skill set that will only go well with this personality type, <laughs> and I can't see any way in which this could possibly go wrong. None. None at all. So, there are a lot of stories about Clay. Um, he, uh, some were a little more heroic, so at some point, um, there was a, a family who <laughs> was... Uh, taken captive by a native tribe, some of the non-friendly natives, and the local uh, marshal and marshal's deputies uh, refused to do anything about it. I think they said it was a jurisdiction thing. I think more likely they just didn't want to fuck with it. Uh, That's so code Clay for we don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. So Clay just rounded up a posse and confronted the natives themselves, and to his credit, got the family back safely. But a lot of it was just him getting into drunken pissing matches with people. And Clay 
for a good gunman, also, this will come up much later in the story, but Clay seems to have been a little bit clumsy. Uh, he shot himself in the foot on at least one occasion. Literally and metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah. No, literally right in the foot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the amount of time he spent drunk probably didn't uh, help matters much as far as that goes. Um, here's one of the probably the most popular story about Clay Allison. It concerned the death of another local ruffian who happens to have one of the best sub guy names I've heard yet. Tonight's sub guy, Chunk Colbert. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, chunk, no cowboy chunk. <laughs> chunk, I'm hungry now. <laughs> so Chunk was another fellow who fancied himself a tough guy and maybe wasn't the most mentally stable. So he and Clay were pretty much cut from the same cloth there. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure his... Uh, Bizarre temperament has nothing to do with the fact that his name is fucking Chunk. <laughs> Are there any I'm portraits sure. of this man? I don't know. I didn't think to look it up. I might do that. Um, <laughs> so the two men were acquaintances, but not necessarily friends. Uh, there had been some issues between Clay and one of Chunk's relatives, and this had kind of caused some friction between the two guys in the past. Uh, nevertheless, Chunk Colbert bumped into Clay uh, one evening and asked him to join him for dinner in a local inn. Uh, Clay accepted, decided to go in and get something to eat. Uh, despite this whole thing seeming probably a little fishy. So, as the two men finished eating, Chunk suddenly pulled his gun. But, as he was trying to clear the table, just for a second, he bumped the barrel on the underside of the table, thus giving Clay a little bit of warning as to what could happen. Clay, with zero hesitation, pulled his own revolver out, put one between Chunk's eyes before he could fire. Just right in the middle of this fucking inn. And later on, when people asked Clay why he would accept a dinner invitation from a man who was pretty likely to try and kill him, Clay replied that he didn't want to send a man to hell on an empty stomach. It's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Having a good stable of uh, lions ready to go for after you slaughter someone does make you a bit more endearing as a killer. He, he just, like, opens up a notepad, like, scratches one out. It's like, all right, cool, I'll use that one. <laughs> all right, can't use that one again for another uh, 18 months. Got everyone has forgotten about it. He's got a notes app. <laughs> <laughs> so... A story that would only come out years after Allison's death, a legendary Kansas lawman Wyatt Earp recalled the story about his encounter with Clay Allison. In 1877, Clay had relocated to Kansas and started wholesaling cattle there. Now, according to Wyatt Earp, Clay was in Dodge City on business. Clay, of course, started some trouble with some local deputy marshals, and Earp and his friend Bat Masterson confronted them in a saloon and got them to back down. That's Wyatt Earp's story. However, literally nobody else corroborates that. Uh, there is a fair amount of evidence that this story is either partially or completely made up. But, in any case, Clay's time in Kansas would be short. He left to start a ranch in Texas with his brother John. 
Clay settled down a bit in the sense that he got married and had a couple of children. But in other ways, uh, Clay was still Clay. Uh, one instance of that, he once got arrested for getting drunk and riding through town wearing only his gun belt. <laughs> I mean, that that's just Pledge Week, man. That's just some classic good old <laughs> Old West drunk shenanigans. Honestly, you could tell me that story happened in any, like, American folk hero, and I'd believe it. I, I was thinking about this today when I was tightening up this outline. I know there are a lot of reasons that living in the Old West would be fucking awful. But yeah. just think just think about all the shit you would see every day. Yeah. Just standing on the sidewalk in, like, Dodge City or Cimarron, <laughs> New Mexico or Tombstone, Arizona... All of the wild fucking shit you would get to see just standing oh, yeah. there for a day. You're yeah. seeing minimum three people die. Yeah. You're seeing like, one guy naked on a horse. Like at least you're, you're on a road trip. You're counting like a license plates from out of state. Like you're in the old west. You're counting how many different people are thrown through windows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in 1887, Clay Allison died, but as I'm sure you hoped, he would die what was truly a guy's death. As we mentioned earlier, I suspect that Clay might have been a little clumsy. Whether this clumsiness was whiskey-induced or not, I can't say. But Clay was helping load a wagon, uh, standing up on top of the wagon helping pack things in, when the load shifted and a sack of grain started to fall off the cart. Clay tried to catch it, and in so doing, fell from the top of the wagon. Uh, Clay hit the ground, the wagon rolled forward, one of the wheels just rolled right over his neck and killed him. Oh. Fucking, guy's final, fucking final destination, Old West edition. Jesus. Salute to you, sir. That is the way to go out. <laughs> because, of course, that's how he died. So... I know that was a shorter segment, but there were a couple stories in there I felt we just had to get out. And that brings me to my big question for you guys, and this is one of my uh, most look-forward-to big questions to hearing your answers. So, I think the thing that I took away from this story more than anything else is that Chunk Colbert may be my favorite name any human being's ever had. It's It's a perfect name for that kind of guy, this just kind of drunk buffoon uh in an old west town that's maybe a little bit on the shady side so i think that's the best name for that kind of guy i've ever heard in real life i challenged you guys to come up with one better so i can't wait to hear what you've got hmm. well i'm gonna admit i slightly misunderstood the assignment and instead i came up with names just for like good names for wild west figures in general <laughs> so maybe the, some <laughs> of the mean, other guys around town yeah, I mean, um, that's that's probably going to be roughly the same thing. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't decide which two between two. I couldn't decide which one I like better, either Spurs Spurberry. Or uh, or it really doesn't matter what his actual first name is, but I, I'm imagining a Wild West character named 10 Gallon Hatfield. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be a character. 10 yeah. Gallon Hatfield. Following monkey probation officer on Here's a Guy TV. <laughs> I, uh, I had an idea of a duo 
uh, a very, very like, um, like a guy that's like Cody, but like two feet taller, and a guy like me in in college, but like three feet shorter. Uh, the big guy's name is Pony, and the little guy's name is Bronco. And I imagine they're just getting into like wacky hijinks <laughs> together. That sounds like an eight. That sounds like an eighties uh, cop show. Like yeah. a bad Miami Vice knockoff. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, um, the uh, uh, what was the the Bugs Bunny, the tiny guy and the big guy who like ran amok against like the gangsters. Uh, it's oh, like Bugs Bunny yeah. foil, like the people those size, but it's like old right. west, uh, Pony and Bronco. I came so... up with a couple for for Ofish characters. While I was thinking, but they're um, they're foreigners. They're from out of town. I'm imagining a big french oafish guy named jacques souffle um i've also i've long time for one of the a movie that my friends and i uh were trying to write and then it never got off the ground i planned a a big oafish italian american character named antonio ravioli uh similarly food-based i had the idea of a uh, a town's mayor uh, who was uh, Wellington, but he was uh, kind of uh, a little bit more uh, affluent and portly, yeah. so they named him Sir Beef Wellington. Yeah. I actually kind of, yeah, I've toyed with Beef Wellington uh, for my answer, too. I actually went a similar route for my uh, big, chunky, oafish dude. Um, say hello to the town nuisance, uh, Steak O'Houlihan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is the perfect amount of Irish for that. For that yeah. 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 Only, only if uh, his kids are named after him, but um, in like a really like endearing way, and they're Steakums. <laughs> He's got a daughter named Patty. <laughs> it's the uh, the uh, George Foreman. Um, this is my daughter Steak. <laughs> this is my son Steak Junior. <laughs> this is Porterhouse. Uh, this is New York Strip. Uh, uh, this is this is a son I don't like. His name's Flank. <laughs> this one just got knighted. He is officially sirloin. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, but good I'm stuff there. Yeah. Endless. I'm going to be thinking of these all night. A lot of good shit at the end of that. That's kind of what I wanted. That's kind of what I wanted. Yeah, we may have to to come back to this next week and uh, see if we came up <laughs> with any more. <clears throat> but until then, uh, we have one more topic left, and uh, so we turn to me. Uh, I am continuing on um, a topic that I've really been been hitting heavily lately, uh, Wacky Criminals. Uh, this week I'm discussing Michael Gonzalez. Um, not, there, there actually winds up being an incredible coincidence to something that was said earlier that was completely unplanned, but we'll get there. Um, not much has been made public about Michael's upbringing. Um, the, the reality, sadly, is probably that you know, like lots of people in this country, he's had a rough go of it. Um, he's mentally ill, drug problem, not a lot of money, um, doesn't really have a good way to get treatment, just winds up in the carceral system, which sucks. We're not here to ridicule him, but indisputably, he is a guy. I mean, there, there's no way around it. He just is. We're not here to ridicule him, but here's a guy. Look, the thesis of this show has never been that being a guy is inherently bad. Yeah, it's kind of like it having... Not inherently. Yeah, it's kind of like having superpowers. It's really all about how you use it. Yeah, to be a guy, this, the state of being a guy is that you just are. That's yeah. the best way to explain what a guy is. They just yeah. are. There, there have been good guys and bad guys. A lot of them tend to be 
shitholes, but you know, there yeah. there is an inherent guyness to it all. I mean, look at look at if you wanna if you wanna look at the scale here, we've got Bass Reeves, Giuseppe Zangari. <laughs> the two most different men who have ever lived. Both are guys. So April 2018. Michael is 29 and living in South Burlington, Vermont. Which we need our we need Pookie the historian here. Is he our first Vermont guy? I can't remember one. I think before he this. might be. We haven't South had a Burlington, ton of New England. We haven't had a ton of New England guys, period, other than like early American statesmen. Yeah. My guy was from Boston, but yes. I feel like Boston is like the most like Boston or New York get everything and then nothing outside of those two. I wonder if South Burlington has a coat factory that's just a little bit less upscale than the regular <laughs> Burlington coat factory. I'm leaving. Yeah, a lot of lot of a uh, lot of <laughs> moth hole, a lot of moth holes in the coats at the South Burlington coat factory. Um, you, you know, you know, there are some days where I wish we put this on YouTube and recorded the video, and it was mostly just because of things like Jack's face after I said that. I thought we were going to get through saying Burlington without making a fucking coat joke. Why? Why would you think, Why would you think that? I, I, we're like what eighty episodes into this. I should know better. Yeah, you really should. Pay attention. So one night, Michael is feeling a bit peckish and decides to order a pizza. Actually, I'm just going to go ahead and stop right here. What you know so far is wacky criminal, and I've just told you that the story starts with him ordering a pizza. Do either of you have any guesses as to where this is going to go? I really hope he Bart Simpsoned the pizza order. Um, usually when you order a pizza, kind of the nice thing is that the delivery man will bring it right up to your door. One of the, like, genuinely one of the great American innovations. I think, like, our national park system's number one. Yeah. Pizza delivery might be right below it. Um, oh, yeah. the best thing that ever happened out of COVID was contactless delivery, and it will stand by that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to have to interact with people. Yeah. Fuck that. They probably, don't, they probably don't want to interact <laughs> with you either. It's just best for everyone involved. No. Mutual love for the situation. But Michael Gonzalez is not one to do things by the book. Rather than wait for the pizza uh, delivery person to reach the door, Michael goes outside and meets him at their car. This wouldn't be a big deal, like a little odd, but not a big deal, except that the car Michael approached was not actually a pizza delivery vehicle. It was a fully marked police cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. When he uh, Jesus mistakenly Christ, got an escort. <laughs> when he mistakenly tried to complete the purchase of his pizza with the police officer sitting inside, the cop was like, uh, what did you say your name was? Oh, no. Cop runs his name and sees Michael happens to have an outstanding warrant for careless and negligent driving. Uh, hey, why is that pizza barking at me and why is it on my hand? Ow, ow, that hurts. <laughs> well, funny oh, you mentioned pizza that, pizza tastes Tom. like bullets. <laughs> oh, no. Because Michael is subsequently arrested, and to make matters worse, he had heroin and ecstasy in his pocket. Oh. Why he needed that to walk heroin? out, I don't know, like... <laughs> Leave your heroin inside when you go meet the pizza guy. Come on, man. All right. I, I, I don't know go. whether I don't know whether this is going to be a barter type situation or or what the deal was. Look, if I also, know one thing about delivery guys, it's they take ecstasy as payment. 
Look, also, that is the weirdest combination of drugs I've ever heard. I'm trying to imagine what heroin and ecstasy at the same time would do to you, and I can't. I think it'd just make I, you normal. I'm not level you in either, but I imagine, like, you do the, the heroin, you come down, you, ecstasy is like a quick pick-me-up, like a, like a little jolt, and then you're oh, your baseline. Holy shit. Guys, I am loving how depressed I'm feeling right now. <laughs> <laughs> this feels oh. like shit. I'm amazing. It's amazing. I've been floating through a sea of jellyfish in my head for the last three hours. I kind of want to fuck that chair. You know what I'm loving? All of these spikes I'm feeling inside my eyes. <laughs> oh. So it's unclear what the outcome of, of those cases was. I mean, there there were they were all misdemeanors, so he probably wasn't punished too harshly. Um, but we do know that after this, he became a bit of a, a running joke among cops in the area who, who dubbed him with the nickname The Pizza Man. <laughs> what sucks about that is that's like a very schoolyard level of mean. It's so that's... simple that I think that's actually worse. That's yeah. not even creative. He wasn't even the pizza guy. That's exactly. That's somebody for, else. For me, it's so much worse when there's no creativity to it. That fucks with me so much more than like a good, genuine you, barb. Just calling you the you pizza man. You couldn't have called him like the Noid, or Domino, or Pizza the Hut. Or well, they're fucking... also you also have to remember they're cops. They're not that clever. Um, oh yeah, call, call him like deep dish heroin or something. Like that's me with thirty five seconds of like thinking <laughs> while listening to you guys. Call him deep dish heroin, black tar and pepperoni. There I'm you not... go. See, we'll workshop it. I'm not calling the episode that uh, <laughs> in case oh. that's what you're shooting for. <laughs> Me and Cody that's just my fishing third for attempt this episode. Yeah. We're just fishing for, for uh, episode titles. Well, look, that's we actually... all do it sometimes. Let's not fucking kid ourselves. <laughs> we that's... all do it. I actually, I remember that last two man pod Alex and I did. I literally told him up front. I'm like, there's a line in here. I think is going to be the episode title. And I was, and right. you, were, you, so... you were correct. Yeah. Yeah. It is, um, it is as, as a behind the curtain, it is so rewarding when you make a one-liner and then you see Alex write down something in front of him. It feels good. That's actually one of my favorite things about after we record, but before the episode comes out, is wondering what the title's going to be. And then you read it and you're like, oh, fuck yeah, I remember that was a good one. Uh, also, the pizza man, not to be confused with uh, uh, terrible NFL quarterback Nathan Peterman, or as Bomani Jones calls him, <laughs> the Peter Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Bob, shout out to Bomani Jones. Yeah. Oh yeah. For so many reasons. What the cops didn't know though was that the pizza man isn't really that dumb. He's just very careless. Both of these things would reveal themselves over the course of the next few years. Somehow or another, Michael discovered the potential for a lucrative get-rich-quick scheme. The target, someone who is both dumb and careless. The world's richest man, Elon Musk. Oh. And more, spe- and more, more specifically, his car company, Tesla. That's why Jack Elon Jolly, Musk. When you, said, when you said earlier in the same sentence, uh, car schemes and Elon Musk, I was, <laughs> I was dying. Like, you have no idea what's coming. Oh Elon God. Musk, who is living proof that meritocracy does not exist in this, uh, this world. Yeah, I mean, just look at this motherfucker. He, he is a complete fucking moron. He has never had a good idea in his life, and he is richer than God. Yeah, an absolute baboon, and yet he has the, the entire world on the palm yeah. of his hand, yeah. Um, 
Michael discovered a flaw in uh, Tesla's sales policy that could be easily exploited. No. See, at that, at, at that <laughs> time, Tesla dealerships allowed you to make a small down payment and then take possession of the vehicle before the bank transfers for the rest of it had cleared. What that meant is that you could, if you could properly conceal your identity at the time of the purchase, you could turn around and flip the expensive cars before the dealership ever noticed you defrauded them and they wouldn't be able to track you down because you'd lied about who you were. God damn it. <laughs> the pizza man figured this out. Um, the, the first now, ice... now I'm picturing him as like Willy Wonka's the candy man, but the pizza man can. That's uh, not Willy Wonka, but I will forgive you. The, the first heist, Jack John is frozen in time. <laughs> the first heist was in uh, uh, September 2018 when Michael bought a Tesla Model 3 uh, for a $2,500 down payment, then quickly resold it to a used car lot for $42,500 and fled the area. Jesus. <laughs> a lot of fleeing the area in this one. A couple weeks later, uh, he took possession of a Model X for a small down payment, then sold it on Craigslist for ninety grand. <laughs> Which a Tesla, say, a, a Tesla Model X is worth like one hundred forty thousand dollars. So look, it, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The only people dumber than the people who make Teslas are the people who buy Teslas. If you're anything on Craigslist, as, if you're spending more than like five grand on Craigslist, you're a fucking idiot, and you deserve whatever fraud you're getting. There, yeah, there will be police at your door eventually, yeah. Yeah, you're lucky your fucking head didn't wind up in a box. <laughs> oh, yeah, also Michael killed him. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. <laughs> um, and the uh, Tesla, the, uh, Tesla uh, covered up the evidence by running into a wall and exploding. Hold that thought, Cody. Oh, god um, damn it. That was the most the, satisfying because, table that thought I've ever gotten. Because <sighs> the third heist is where he runs into problems. Using a fake Florida ID, Michael acquires an even more valuable Model X, uh, but they never gave him the title, which uh, meant that he couldn't flip it. On February 24th, the Model X was found engulfed in flames on the frozen ice of Shelburne Bay, Vermont. Michael claimed he drove the Tesla Model X out to go ice fishing, and it malfunctioned and caught fire, which he was likely doing this to cover up the fraud, but again, it is a Tesla, so it's possible that that yeah, just I was going to say, that does happen, yeah. <laughs> So he was like, all right, I'm stuck with this. Better blow it up. Uh, this was suspicious enough that it got the authorities to start poking around into Michael Gonzalez and his Teslas. Here is where Michael being careless comes into play. Rather than lay low for a bit and uh, live off the massive amounts of money he had already made doing this, Michael immediately gets right back to it, acquiring a Model X using a fake a driver's license, and then flipping it on eBay for $99,400. Which we, I already talked earlier this episode about my eBay habits. I, uh, I'm not buying a car. <laughs> I mean, can you no. imagine? I didn't well, even think that was allowed. eBay, eBay like advertises itself. I think it's like, like an automotive sales. Like I think that's one of the original things that eBay was good for, was like Interesting. big purchases. But like, why in your schemes do you have such a public paper trail? I thought it was just for like uh, uh, old records and Garfield merch. That's uh, what I used my last eBay purchases have been for computer parts and Pokemon VHS uh, tapes. So you're not far <laughs> off for what it's currently used for. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, if you go to eBay, it says electronics cars fashion. Like vehicles I are did. very much a part of eBay's history. He tried this a fifth time in uh, July 2019, but Michael waited a bit too long to resell it. Tesla hired a repo man, and Michael narrowly escaped him in a parking garage in Burlington. A parking that... garage in Burlington has to be the saddest like scene for any like play. <laughs> that's a that's title just... of uh yeah, that's the title of like a casket lottery song or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I was gonna say Sufjan Stevens, but that casket lottery also, also yeah. It's, it's it's the title of a handguns album. <laughs> there we go. Um shortly after the botched uh well, it was good. that's unfortunately only the tip of the iceberg as far as Michael being careless is concerned, uh, because shortly after the botched fifth heist attempt, Michael is charged with aggravated assault after he tried to run over a woman with his truck. She then hit in a van, which he subsequently rammed multiple times. Jesus Christ. Michael has some problems. What a complicated man. <laughs> um, he was able to get out on bond, but uh, then in September, so just the following month, he went to a gun shop to purchase a firearm and lied on the purchase forms about having a pending felony. A federal offense with a possible 15-year sentence. Layer some felonies in there. In the background, the investigation into Michael's Tesla scheme was in full swing. Uh, among the key pieces of evidence against him was that a Google account used as part of the schemes featured the username at Tesla Mike Gonzalez. <laughs> so... <laughs> When, uh, just the sound when you, you heard thought... was the sound you heard was Jack slamming his glasses onto the desk in front of him. Just when you thought he couldn't get a worse nickname than the Pizza Man, I don't want to be Tesla Mike. All right, uh, I need to make up an email so I can track all of this shit. Um, Tesla scheme, Michael, my address at gmail dot com. <laughs> I'm using this account to steal from you <laughs> at gmail dot com. Um, Illegal Mike. <laughs> Polonius Mike. Um, in fairness, like, you know, maybe he just had to do this in the moment and he was under the gun and he froze. I think back to a previous episode. I can't remember when it was, but I re-listened to it where um, I put Jack on the spot and asked him to, like, uh, make up as many fake addresses off the top of his head as he could in one minute. And, and even, though you even though you could have said literally anything at all, yeah. I think you came up with... Um, uh, uh, the Griffin the families yeah. and the Simpsons yeah. both. Yeah. That you couldn't, you literally couldn't think of any yeah. other possible thing. Yeah. It, <laughs> it happens. It's, it makes sense. Like you, you, there's like that, like not full on performance anxiety, but there's like that brain freeze where you're just like, uh, but like you got time to figure this scheme out. You've been doing it for a while. What the fuck are you doing, Michael? <clears throat> Michael was eventually arrested on the gun case and held in jail. Um, in January 2021, he pled guilty to one count related to the gun charge. Um, then he was released pending sentencing. Um, and here's where I'll put my defense attorney hat on and, and just and tell you all. So, like, you obviously don't want to mess up when you're uh, released on bond, when your case is pending. You really don't want to mess up when you're released between the time you plead guilty and the time you're sentenced. Because... Like, that sentence hasn't been imposed on you. Uh, if you give the judge ammunition, if you pick up a new case, you are fucked. Um, that's, like, almost just universally true. Uh, imagine there's you... a lawyer saying, whatever you're fucking thinking of doing, don't. Yeah. Go home um, 
and watch TV until until this all blows over. Yeah, like, you know the movie Get Hard with Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart? Just go watch that a bunch of times and don't leave your house. Um, unfortunately, though, that's not how Michael Gonzalez rolls. And ten days later, he's busted trying to finally sell the fifth Tesla, which had long since been reported stolen. And, like, how it broke down, it, it was I was a little confusing, but, like, he had, like, an accomplice who was a tow truck driver, but the tow truck broke down at the auto parts place, and they just had to fucking bail it out of there. And the the uh, the the car dealership guy took down the license plate of the vehicle they left it in, and it was just fucking Michael's actual car. <laughs> the tow truck broke down? The tow truck broke down, yeah. And on, on their way to help get it out, the fire truck burned, I assume. <laughs> and uh, the poodle landed on the head of the... <laughs> of the car dealer, yeah. Um... So not only that, but he tried to do this in Seabrook, New Hampshire, meaning he violated his release conditions by crossing state lines on top of picking up a new case. So he went back to jail. He was eventually sentenced to time served and released in May of 2021. That's pretty uh, because, fucking good. Yeah, he'd done a bunch of time in jail. and But yeah, that's a, a pretty good outcome on this. Uh, a great relief to Michael that was dampened when three months later he was finally indicted on five counts of possessing and stealing stolen vehicles. <laughs> uh, back to jail he went, although he again was granted supervised release, this time requiring periodic check-ins with the federal probation and parole office. Michael dutifully appeared at all of his check-ins. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that he kept testing positive for cocaine. <laughs> Yeah. So back to jail he went yet again. Um, October of 2022, his attorneys had worked out a plea deal that he liked. Um, he filled out the long, arduous 15-page plea form. Then the morning of the hearing told the judge, actually, I don't want to do this. I want to go to trial. So they set the trial for April of 2023. Um, April rolls around. Again, they work out a plea deal. Um, they go through it this time. Michael pleads guilty. Sentencing was set for just a few weeks ago, August 4th. And what happened at the sentencing? I'll be honest, I have no goddamn idea because I can't find anything. If I had to guess, I'd say it was probably continued because there was no press release and, like, the feds usually issue one. So if that's the case, we have a here's a guy first. <laughs> this is our first true here's a guy cliffhanger. <laughs> we do not know yet the fate of Michael Gonzalez, the pizza man. Uh, it's still up in the air. As soon as we find out, we will report. But as of now, that is the story of the pizza man, Michael Gonzalez, and, and we, we eagerly await what his fate will be in federal court. So in, in lieu of a big question, uh, I'm going to ask the two of you, uh, what are your predictions for how this is going to go for Michael? Like, do you think it's going to be on the lower end? Do you think they're going to send this guy to the moon? Um, they got to max and stack them. Are they going to run them wild or, or is he going to get kind of somewhere in the middle? I think. So what, what's the maximum sentence he could get again? I think so. He's facing five counts. I think each one carries up to 10 years. I'm thinking, <laughs> no. look, if I'm that, I think most judges are going to give this guy about 15 years in the can, but Michael's luck modifier seems to be like plus 10. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe he walks with time served again. Fuck it. I don't know. 
his luck is plus ten, but his dex is minus five. Like he's fumbling everything out. Oh, he's right. he's gonna get arrested again if it happens. But I'm just saying in this specific instance. Yeah, I don't know. I that's my prediction. Uh, I think they're gonna throw the book at him. He's gonna get life in pizza. Yeah, just to fucking rub his face in it. <laughs> like, the, like they the, set up the whole thing as a prank. Like, uh, uh, they set it like uh, they finally bring the pizza in the courtroom. Everyone has a good laugh, and then even Michael has a good laugh. But just like, no, I am sending you for <laughs> it. It's uh, it's like the uh, the Amazon Prime show jury duty, except it's um, all about this pizza case. <laughs> if you told me that Michael Gonzalez is a fictional character, I would consider it. Yeah, Michael Gonzalez plays out like the background character from Arrested Development. Like it's very hokey in like a non-threatening, funny way. Other than the the woman in the, the in the van <laughs> who tried to run over that, what? she was a little threatened. But other than her, yes. Look, the writers strike that season. They they lost a few of the plot points that made Michael who he was as a character. They brought him back in season three, and he started doing uh, wacky hijinks again. Alan Alda took over behind the camera, and the show got a lot more dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Gas leak here. It was a gas leak here. Well, that's uh, that's the story of uh, Michael Gonzalez, and we'll uh, we'll we'll hopefully have some news soon on uh, on how things are going to go for him. So. Uh, with that being said, with that cliffhanger, that brings us to the end of another episode of Here's a Guy, and what a fun one this was. So um, let's wrap this thing up uh, by doing what we always do to start with. Let's go around the horn and hawk our shit. Cody, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me weekly right here on Here's a Guy uh, on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Check out the podcast's uh, Instagram and Twitter accounts as well. They are both Here's a Guy pod. And also... Motherfuckers, if you listen to this podcast, subscribe to the Patreon. It's five bucks a month. What are you doing? Uh, if you don't subscribe to the Patreon, I will write an unhinged manifesto and send it to the local paper with your name attached to it. <laughs> Jack John, where can the people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Papa underscore Jack John. Find me on Blue Sky now. Uh, shout out to Alex for for sending that through at Papa Jack John. Find me on my personal Twitch page at Papa Jack John. I'm turning 30 this weekend, which is um, about five years longer than I thought I would. Uh, so come celebrate with me on Twitch while I play a bunch of games with my friends, again, at Papa Jack John on Twitch. All right, you can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky at Turpin for Prez. Um, on Twitter, follow the podcast account as well. It's at Here's Guy Pod. And we have a mailbox. Here's a mailbox at gmail.com. Um, send us whatever you like. We uh, like it enough. We'll read it on the show. If that's where you want to send your uh, uh, your your record predictions, um, then then feel free to do so. Uh, we will catalog those. All right. Well, uh, what a fun time that was. Um, I guess it's time to log off. Oh, wait a second, Cody. Do you have a tagline for us by chance? I do. I'm glad to hear you say that. So, um, good night, everybody. Um, oh. Before we get there, uh, Jack, John, and I both wanted to say uh, a big RIP to Bray Wyatt, uh, who passed away at 36. Uh, they announced it about an hour before we started. Uh, very sad news in the wrestling world, so perhaps we'll have more to say on that later. But Absolutely RIP. All right. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Hope to have you back again with us next week. Uh, Cody, what's your tagline? Coming this fall to Here's a Guy TV. In a town as wild as any in the West. One man dared to hit the streets like a slab of beef. Coming this fall, the ballad of Steak O'Houlihan. <laughs> Bye, daddies. <laughs> <laughs>